Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, everybody, welcome once again to another mental health comedy, Chock Full of Emotions. It's the show where we talk about our thoughts and feelings, how we relate to them. We talk about practicing mental health. It is a practice. It is not just a topic. It's a nice topic, uh, just like salad dressing is a nice topic. But without the practice, it's hard. It's difficult, and it's hard to change things. And that's what we hope to do. We hope to help you and help ourselves every day change things in our life, change our perspective, make different choices, be conscious about what's going on in our heads, because this is where everything comes from, or so I hear. My name is Ed Krasnick. I'll be your co-host. I'm talking like a pilot. I have no idea why. And my co-host, my partner, is Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer is a child and family therapist. She has a wonderful organization called ConnectedParenting.com. This is the show where we practice skills. You know, we talk about the issues. We practice skills. Anything that's going on in your life, this is what we talk about, day-to-day, everyday living, everyday life issues. And we certainly have a lot of them now uh, in our world. We know what physical fitness is, but we don't know what emotional fitness is. We're going to figure out what that is through the process of doing this show. Now, you can find us. Where can you find us? Everywhere where you get your podcasts. But you can also find us very shortly. This is happening all now. We're starting. We have a Facebook page. We have social media pages where you can write in. You can tell us what's going on with you. Share what's working what's not working, what's right with this picture, what's not right with this picture. What do you wish you had more of? What, do, what kinds of things would you like support with? What kinds of things don't you tell anybody? You can share all of it on Facebook now. I didn't join Facebook for a long time because I thought it was about facing things. And now um, I'm back in. Welcome to the show. We have a great guest today, dear friend, brilliantly talented, writer, comedian, wonderful podcast with Steve Mason from LA, longtime veteran, a radio host, uh, along with the great Sue Kalinske and it's Culture Pop, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts. She also writes about sports. She's a TV producer for many years, shows like Sex in the City and Top Chef and many others. And it's Sue Kalinske, as I said, Sue's going to join us in just a minute. You can also learn about support skills for uh, serious mental health issues. We'll share those with you on our social media pages as well. So we want to help you there too. Today, just a few emotional shout outs and then we'll get into the show. We always like to welcome people in. Here are a few emotional shout outs. If you throw your hands up in the air because you just do care, welcome. If you can't stand up for yourself, nor can you sit down for yourself, welcome. If the only thing in your life that's okay is the soundtrack to Oklahoma, welcome. If you sleep with one eye open because you have trust issues with the other, welcome. If you're teaching a webinar called How to Control Everything and Everyone, a complete business in a box, welcome. If you use Microsoft Office Depression 365, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on Mental Health Comedy with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Clary. We just want to tell you about our sponsor, which is a new app called Jewish Math Problems for Today and Beyond. This is an exciting one. 
and, and they're basically word problems that are that are ethnic and about family, and they help you work through some of your issues. You saw you never would use math in your life. Now you can with Jewish math problems for today and beyond. If guilt travels at the speed of light and guilt is X and my aunt is Y, then Y is equal to X plus Y plus the guilt about the shooting pains in her legs. Here's another good one. I like this one. Uncle Max and Aunt Rose are coming to our house on Sunday afternoon. They live 32 miles away and are traveling at a rate of 65 miles an hour. How long will it take them to start an argument in the car and what time will my mother begin to resent them? Okay, that's Jewish math problems for today and beyond. Jennifer, I have to say to you, it's been a crazy uh, week and I find myself going down the road of, you know, sort of beating myself up. And what I'm trying to figure out is at the moment that these things start to happen, because we all have those voices, mm -hmm. is there something to switch us to a different track? Do we, is there a way to sort of do a little preventative care? Because I find with me, it happens really fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a tough one because, you know, the human brain is, is an amazing instrument. And if you're a deep thinker and you're a ruminator and you have a number of neural pathways in your brain, this is, this is habitual brain firing. You've been thinking this way. And Ed, I know this because we talk every week. Your brain has done this for years, right? This, these are familiar patterns. It's really difficult to change those patterns. So there's, there's a few simple things that you can try. I mean, it's sort of a momentum thing. If, if you can catch it before it happens, you have, you have a pretty good chance. And that's usually by switching and just thinking about something neutral or thinking about something else or staying in the moment, observing yourself, thinking it. Ed, you talk about that all the time. If you're already diving down though, and this is, it's so weird because I've been doing this for such a long time and I can literally map. First of all, it's a full moon. And, and I don't mean to sound crazy here, but I'm telling you, I've been, I've been doing this 30 years and I know from my caseload, the families that I work with and the kids that I work with, when it's a full moon, <laughs> things are going to be crazy. So it, it, it sounds so nutty, but there's got to be some kind of collective energy thing where everybody feels each other. There's so much going on in the world right now, but a lot of people this past week have had a really, really difficult time. And I think part of it is, you know, you're a radio receiver and a broadcaster. So what you pay attention to, you feel more of. I think the best thing to do in these situations is to see if you can force yourself to think about something neutral, to think about something else. There's a few very simple techniques that you can do. And it's funny because you started with uh, Jewish math, right? So, you know, oi, right? So w when people get overwhelmed, they often put their hand on their forehead. It's universal. It doesn't matter what ethnic group you're from. It's like, oh, you put your hand on your head when you're stressed. Why do we do that? We do that because your, your body's electromagnetic, your hand is electromagnetic. So when you feel fear or depression or sadness, the, the blood literally drains from your frontal lobe and it goes to your midbrain, which is a part of the brain that wants you to act, run, hide, do something. So when you put the palm of your hand on your forehead and you leave it there for about 30 seconds to a minute, you're actually going to be drawing blood because the, the iron in your blood, your hand is electromagnetic. You're going to pull the blood back up to your frontal lobe. And that's why universally people put their hand on their head when they're stressed. Right? So you just put your hand on your, you can do it right now. Just put your hand, the palm of your hand on your forehead and send your kind of consciousness to the palm of your hand. And you should feel yourself start to relax a little bit. You can also take like your fingers and kind of put it right in the center of your forehead, like on both hands, and then put your thumbs on your temple. That's another way to just kind of center and calm down your brain. So there's, there's little tiny 
actions that you can take that are so small, but they can help. So start with that. Hand on the forehead. Oi. That's very interesting. And it confirms so many things. My mother rarely walked into a room without having her head on her forehead. It was un unbelievable. My mother would walk in, literally, she was like, it was like she was saluting the Kaiser or she was trying to help her brain. But she, she was the master of that. And I had a boss who used to do that. Every time I would tell him bad news, he would take his head, put it on the forehead, and then walk out of the room. And I just, now it makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, but the other thing I was going to ask you is, what if you took your hand, could the, the same thing be said of putting your hand on your heart? Yes, it's funny. That's the other technique I was going to share. If you put your hand right over your heart, the palm of your hand, it's better if it's skin to skin because we are literally little batteries. Put your hand on your chest. And this is a really simple one. Your palm is on your chest on the back of your hand. You tap with two fingers with quite a bit of pressure. Don't hurt yourself. The space right between your ring finger and your baby finger and just tap that over and over for about a minute. You'll calm yourself right down. And then you can switch between the two. Very simple. And what you're doing with the first technique is you're literally turning your frontal lobe back on. It's like a button. You're, you're engaging it again and bringing energy and blood back to your frontal lobe and bringing it back online. And when you're touching your chest, you're actually activating the, the part of your body that is intuitive and that feels, and it's very grounding. You're, you're tapping the space between your ring finger and your pinky finger. Yeah, there's a nerve that runs there. I think it's called the gamut nerve. It's kind of that space right between, just in the soft part in between the bones. And you put your palm right on your chest and then you tap with two fingers. I don't know if you can hear me tapping. Right, and you just tap. And you do it, for about, do it for about a minute. And then do that thing where you relax your tongue in the bottom of your mouth and just change your breathing and just tap like that. You will, you will completely calm yourself down. That is really interesting. With your two fingers out, you go in between those two mm -hmm. fingers on your hand. Yeah, and you're just tapping that nerve on the back of your hand while your hand, your palm is pressed against your heart. Wow, that's really interesting. That's great. Well, that's a good start. So a few things are going on here. And, and, and this is what Jennifer does. This is what I love is there's a neurological component to this. There's something, you know, your brain is wired a certain way. And without connecting with that, a lot of it can be working to re rewire your brain. And you can be doing it while you're doing, while you're, while you're sweeping the kitchen. You can, be doing, you can be doing it while you're living in the stream of your life. These things actually make a shift. And we don't usually talk about rewiring our brain. We just think this is the way my brain is. It's going to be the way it is for the rest of my life. And that's how I think. And that's why my life is whatever it is. But that's not the case. You can make choices. You can be aware. And there are millions of things that you can do. Some, and they're all pretty simple. They're not complex things. So why not? Why not? The worst thing that can happen is that you, you start feeling better, which is a good, a good result. But right now, I want to bring in our guest uh, who's been patiently waiting in our virtual waiting room, which is uh, decorated in some manner. She's a terrific writer. She's a really, really great producer, editor, director, does a lot of things really well. And as a big sports fan, and those things don't necessarily always go together, but she has all of them. And uh, right now, you can hear her podcast, uh, Culture Pop, with Steve Mason on Apple uh, Podcasts and elsewhere. They interview celebrities about all kinds of pop culture topics, pop culture things. And she is none other than Sue Kalinske. And Sue, that's the longest intro I think you've probably ever received. Yeah, and I guess we're out of time. 
We have no more time. I'm sorry. Thank you for joining us, but hopefully you're tapping. I'm tapping and I'm getting Morse code. <laughs> what, are you, what are you hearing from your heart? Is Samuel Morse uh, contacting you or is there a telegram well, I, for somebody? There is, a, yeah. there is a telegram. And I just want you to know that I have uh, reformed Jewish math problems. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you have it with organ music is underneath. <laughs> I want to um, know how much milk I can have with meat. <laughs> yeah, we had that in college. We would my mother would test people. Let's say I give you some milk. <laughs> what do you do now? And I'm like, is this a test? Yes, it is a test. So Sue, what is going on in your in your life and about now I know I want to talk to you about something in particular. There are things that work for you, I know. And running is one of them. And mm -hmm. we talk about not running emotionally, because if I could do that, then I'd be in a, a 26K, a big marathon every day, because I'm running constantly for my feelings and thoughts. But you actually do it physically. How did this all take place? What, what happened? Well, I guess around three years ago, four years ago, I, I went through a, a, a very dark period in my life. I had gotten fired from a job and it was the first time that I'd ever gotten fired. And I just kind of went through this emotional roller coaster. I was out of work and, and I had a lot of time and I just started running in my neighborhood. And then I found out that a group of friends of mine were part of a running group in my neighborhood. So they invited me to come one day and uh, they do this uh, run walk where you run in intervals. So you can run for, you know, a minute and then you walk for 30 seconds and you do that for however long you could do it for. I went out with them for the first time and I ran four miles. I ran walk four miles and it was so amazing that not only the physical part of it, but the mental part that I actually could do this because um, I never really looked at myself as being a runner. You know, I had run sporadically throughout my life. That led, you know, four miles led to six, led to eight, led to a half marathon. And then I guess uh, two years ago, I did a, uh, my first full marathon. I did the LA marathon. It's a way for me to work out a lot of emotional issues that I'm having, whether it be going into a anxiety tailspin or creatively, if I'm stuck, if I'm writing something and I like hit a wall, I go and take a run. And it just seems to solve a lot of issues for me. That's fantastic. That's fantastic that you, that you were able to, uh, to figure that out and 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 then so this is a practice right this is this is something that you practice it's something that you do it's something that brings you joy it brings you perspective all kinds of things and this is what we're trying to get people to do with you know with and certainly myself what jennifer does you know trying to get mental health to be a practice that there are things that you can do in the moment certainly physical activity is a big one my father you know was chronically uh, depressed for many, many years. And the thing that worked for him was physical activity. And that's what he swore by. We thought he was crazy. It turns <laughs> out he was the sane one in the family. Uh, but we demonized him because he worked out all the time <laughs> because that's what Jews do. You're doing this now. Are there particular difficult things for you? Like 
what doesn't work for you so much and what what is the difficult and you know what what are you experiencing now and the challenges and are there things that are up for you in terms we talked a little bit about before a little bit about discipline and things like that how does that how does that work out for you you know after years and years of being a stand up comic which was you know so much of my adult life your schedule is basically your your own as far as you work as much as you want to work you write as much as you want to write you, you know you don't have to answer to anybody but yourself and after doing that for so long and then getting into the workforce of being a producer and being a writer and having to be accountable you know to a team you know every day what you need to do and people are depending on you and you have to do it well now i finished a job uh, around a month ago and i was working remotely and now i'm back in that it's all on me and when it's all on me i really struggle with the discipline part of it i procrastinate you know kind of like projects due tomorrow and i'm doing it at you know 12:00 at night I just would love to be able to have some sort of a ritual where I can like I'm going to write, you know, for 2 hours at you know every day at a certain time and it just I just haven't been able to do that in my life and I think I'd be a lot more productive I I think I would be so that's something that that I struggle with a lot Jennifer can you speak to that because I suspect that there are things that you're telling mm -hmm. yourself in this process. Sure. Okay. So there's a few things. So I want to talk about procrastination because that's a big one. And it plagues thinkers and creative people. So I'm going to come back to that. But I, but I want to jump back to running just for a minute because I think that's so important. I, and for everyone listening, there are a lot of studies that show that physical exercise is as helpful as medication for anxiety and depression. It's a little tricky with depression because you don't want to do anything, but certainly if you're anxious. And the reason why running works so well is that's all your body wants you to do. It thinks something dangerous is happening. It wants you to run. It wants you to get away from it. Physically, running or any kind of physical exercise is great because then the brain thinks you're actually taking care of the problem. Because remember, the limbic system is really, that's the part of the brain that's just in charge of fight or flight. It just wants you to do something. Don't just stand there, you idiot. You're going to get eaten by that tiger. So it wants you to move. So that's why it's so important. And if you can't physically run, it, this is gonna sound like a crazy technique, but this really works. And again, we're gonna use the imagination here. So you're feeling stressed, you're feeling anxious, you don't know what to do, you got that antsy feeling in your body, close your eyes. Imagine you're about to start a race, the signal goes that the race is starting, and imagine that you're running. Imagine that you are running full out, hear yourself breathing, hear your feet pounding the pavement. Imagine that you're running and watch what happens. So, I mean, unfortunately you can't get fit this way, but you can get emotionally fit this way. So again, it's just this crazy little neural hack, this little brain hack that can really help you. So let me come back to procrastination because this is really important right now. People don't realize that procrastination is actually a form of anxiety. Nobody thinks of it that way. The body likes to be in certain states. If I'm sitting in this state and I move to a new state, something bad could happen to me. So there's an innate program in us not to change something if we're good. Right? And that's probably kept us evolving for thousands of years. So anxiety is behind procrastination. So you were just saying this, like you'll be writing something at, you know, at midnight when it's, when it's due. 
most people who are procrastinators identify themselves as procrastinators. So, so a lot of it comes down to a belief. Oh, I'm a procrastinator. I only do my best work at night. I can only do things at the last minute. It's a profound belief that they talk about. I, I, I used to do this too. Uh, they'll talk about it out loud and they'll, they'll proclaim this to other people. So a huge part of it is what you actually believe about yourself. And we'll come back to that. And then procrastination itself, it's sort of like your brain actually can't or thinks it can't do work until the anxiety of not doing the thing that you're supposed to do is worse than the anxiety of doing the thing that you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, but it, what's weird to me is that, you know, when I'm at work and I'm in a creative position, I'm, I'm creative. I'm doing the work because I, I have to. It's not like I can't be creative during the day, but I yeah. find that when I'm home, that's when my creative juices flow. You are getting it done like late at night? I do. So I do. I do get it late. I, I do get it done late at night, but I like, I'll have the, like today, I'll have the entire day to write something about sports or whatever I want to write about. Right. But I won't do it. I won't do it until late at night. Okay. So my first question to you, is this a problem for you? Like, is it a problem? Does it work? It, it kind of makes me a little off balance because then I'm, sometimes I'm writing up until like three o'clock in the morning and then my day, you know, like I wake up and I'm kind of foggy and I, I feel like, I feel like it, it, it's getting in the way of, a bit okay. of, of okay. my that, day. That's important because some people just flow at night and they've got their, their world worked out this way and it's fine. And they wake up late and, the, and they've got their whole day arranged like this. So that's why I asked you, is this a problem? But if, but if it is, then we'll work with that. So the other thing people need to understand about procrastination is it's not the doing of the work. So let's say you've got some big thing you have to do, or for, for people who are listening that are students and you've got an assignment that you have to do. It's not the doing of the assignment that's awful. Because once you're sitting down and doing it, there's usually flow and it usually is fine. It's the having to do it. But it's the feeling of knowing that you have to do it and you're not doing it. That awful feeling in your stomach, that icky feeling is your, is your body talking to itself. It's not the act of sitting down and writing that's causing you the anxiety. It's the not doing it that's causing all day long. What are you thinking? Oh, I have to do that. Oh, okay. I'll do something else first and then I'll do it. But there's this not in your stomach. There's this constant burning sense that you have something else you should be doing. And people misinterpret that and think that's the act of doing the writing or whatever it is itself. But it's rarely like that. Usually when you're doing the activity, it's never as bad as it's been in your head for the six hours that you've been avoiding it. So the biggest thing you have to understand is that feeling of procrastination is your body telling you you're avoiding it. You shouldn't be avoiding it. That feeling is icky. And as soon as you get to work, that feeling is going to go away. Mm -hmm. Right. But people get stuck there and they think, no, no, I need to avoid that awful thing longer. I get, I'm going to, I'm going to drag it out for another couple of hours and then I'll do it. That feeling will not go away until you take an action. So here's something that I suggest, and it, it's hard to kind of explain it in this short amount of time, but I call it three, two, one. And basically before you do something, and so we're not going to start with, with a big thing, like an assignment or whatever you have to write at night. We're not going to mess with that right now. We're going to change the wiring in your brain for a couple of weeks first. So most of the time, any of us that are procrastinators, and I am too, you want to pay attention to how many times in the day you're procrastinating and you don't realize it. Right. So I don't know you go to throw something in the garbage or the trash and you're like, oh, it's overflowing. Ugh, I'll do it later. We make decisions like that. What I call micro decisions thousands of times a day, thousands of times a day. We're avoiding little things. Every time you avoid something, you're reinforcing that avoidant programming, that avoidant wiring. So start with three times a day, 
for three days, pick some tiny little thing. Like, I don't know, you brush your hair and you notice there's hair in the brush. And instead of going, oh, I should deal with that and throwing it on the counter, you count three, two, one, you take the hair out and you throw it in the garbage, right? Or you're throwing something in the garbage, it hits the rim. And instead of going, oh, next time, you just count three, two, one, get up, pick it up, put it back in the trash. Three times a day for three days, catching yourself in these little micro decisions and, and fight that urge to procrastinate or avoid. After you've done that for three days, then, then for four days, you do that four times a day. And then for five days, you do it five times a day. And by around the two week mark, you will start to feel this flow. You will start to feel a little happier even. You will start to feel more in control of your life. You'll start to feel better. This is basically how to rewire procrastination. Takes a, and, and it's funny because most of my procrastinators, they're all procrastinators who do this, but most of them, if not all of them, describe like, I thought this would be so much harder, but it actually isn't that hard to do. And I actually feel so much better after. So try that. That should really help. And then after two or three weeks, when you go to say, you know what, maybe I'll start in the afternoon. Maybe I'm not going to wait till 10 o'clock you'll be much more likely to be able to do that because now you have the hardware. Because prior to that, it was just willpower. And willpower is finite and you run out of willpower. You only have a certain amount every day, right? That's why people join the gym for the first two weeks of January and by February, nobody goes, right? right? Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're building up the neural pathways. So now you have a choice. Now it's a choice and it's not just based on willpower. So try that. That should work for you. Well, that, yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So the three, two, one, and then the littlest, the tiniest, the simplest, the ba most basic thing, yeah. very small. And the reason you're counting and you have to do that out loud is you're going to override your brain's thought pattern, which is, oh, that's ridiculous. I'll just do it later. I have to take the garbage out later anyways, right? You're going to count out loud so you drown out the time that it takes your brain to talk you out of doing that. Yeah. You know, the thing too, is that because I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed for you know, all intents and purposes is that, you know, like I love to golf. Okay. And now I have all this time, but there are times where like I'll go to golf and then I feel guilty that I'm golfing because I feel like I should be earned oh, it. I have been home. <laughs> I should be home working. Golf is, it's such a mental, mental game. It's like, I finally feel like I'm at the point where I know what I'm doing, which I probably shouldn't say out loud because I'll play tomorrow and I'll be terrible. But I finally, I'm finally like really enjoying it and I want to thoroughly enjoy it now. And I don't want to feel guilty that I'm playing. You know what I, you know what I mean? It's I know exactly what you mean. And, and this, t this does tie back to procrastination because, and this is, this is, this is true for anything, whether you're stuck in like a next Netflix hole or anything. It's like when you know you have this thing that you have to do and you're putting it off, no matter what it is, if it's golf or your what, there's going to be this niggly little feeling of, I don't, I haven't really earned this. I don't deserve this. If I've been more productive, then I could really enjoy my golf. So that's why the three, two, one is so important because as you start to rewire and as you start to take more control and you're not avoiding as much and you're getting stuff done, then you get to play golf or whatever it is that you're doing and really enjoy it because you've earned it before you just feel like you're cheating right? Mm. You're stealing from yourself a little bit. And that's why it's so important. Your body is talking to you. Our body talks to us all the time. And then we call it anxiety. Or we call it depression, which it is. That's just your body screaming at you. All that icky feeling is, is you not doing what you know you should be doing. And the only way you're going to feel better is doing what you should be doing. Right? I, fi I find a lot for myself is I want to be done <laughs> my thing is that I want to be done. And yeah. the reason why I want to be done is because I don't want to have anything to do. Right. I want so to have nothing to do. do. And I want to sit on a porch. Why? 
because I spend so much effort doing things that don't require effort in my head. So I want to stop all that. And I want to be done. My goal is to be done. And that's an awful goal because you're never done. You're never done. Yeah, yeah, you're that's true. Well, it's, it's kind of like done. like the beginning of a project, you know, it's like, I, I, I feel the same way. Like if I'm working on a show and we have an episode we've got to get out, it's like, I can't wait for that to be over. Now I'm, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the process, but I just can't wait for it to be done. So this is where you parcel things out, right? You wouldn't be, I don't know, if you were working in a store, you wouldn't be like, oh, another customer. I was just done with the last one. Like it's this never ending cycle, right? But, but if you can parcel it into little pieces and decide what, your, what the kind of micro goal is, I'm going to accomplish this and then I'm going to enjoy my free time, that will actually free you up and help you a lot. Because the truth is you are never done. If you're done, you're done, right? Well, I will say something. The only time you ever hear the phrase rest in peace, when do you hear that phrase? You hear it when you die. Mm -hmm. So the message is that when you live, you will never have peace. <laughs> you live in hell. But when you die, please, by all means. You know what a great way to look at it? Think about music. You don't put on a great song and go, oh, I love this music, but I can't wait for it to be done. I can't wait for the song to be over. That's not why you listen to music. You're listening to it to enjoy it, to be part of that moment. Really changing your thinking about that is huge. And thinking about little things that you can earn and set little goalposts. And you're like, good, I've finished this part of the project. I said today that I was going to get to this part. And now I've earned my time on the porch. Or now I've earned my time with golf. Or now I can sit and read a book. Or now I can have a nap or whatever it is, right? So it's rewarding yourself after you've kind of earned it. If you believe that you're only going to be happy when you're done. You're going to be chasing that forever. That's a belief. I am only happy when I'm sitting still. That's not true. You're also happy working, right? right? You're also right. happy creating. This goes back to an earlier episode where just changing the word I get to makes a huge difference. Love that. Not say I that, say to. that again. So if you, let's say you have whatever, something you have to write later. As long as you're thinking about, I have to do that thing later. Oh, I have to get started. I have to do it. You're already setting a tone for your brain that it's something that you're not going to want to do. And it's something you're avoiding. If you say, I get to, I get to do that, mm. right? You're going to change entirely how your brain sees that task. Yeah. Right? You know, that's very interesting because when I'm running, like if I have to run a long distance, when I start, I say to myself, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm running 13 miles today. Right. And I love running so much that that, that really does apply that the, I get to do that because I have done such amazing things with running. Like Ed knows this. I, I went to San Quentin and ran with inmates because they have a running club. Wow. So I yeah. did that a couple of years ago and I, I, you know, I get there and I'm like, look what I get to do because I run. There's so much power in that, mm -hmm. right? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really huge. And just that little shift makes such a difference. And you're, so you're running, it's teaching you everything about life. If you started a run going, oh, I gotta go, I gotta be running for like the next hour and a half. All my, no, if it's, I get to, and then you make a little thing, like I'm gonna, like, I'm just gonna get through the first five minutes and then I'm gonna start to feel better. And then I'm gonna get to that landmark or whatever it is. You just set these little goals along the way. And the big picture is look what it's done for you. Look, mm -hmm. what, you've, look what you've gotten to do because of it. Look what running has, has given you. And that's a great metaphor mm -hmm. for everything, not just running. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So that that works well. And I we've been threatening to do this, but I have got to learn the method that you do, Sue, the the intervals, because I'm doing it in my head. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'd rather do it in my body, I think. I'm doing it in my head. I'd rather do it in my body. So Ed, rather, Ed yeah. this is going to sound crazy, but it, you're, run in your head first. It's all rehearsal. Your brain doesn't know the difference ah, that's between true. actually running that's and true. just thinking about Run for two weeks in your head. Go for a little run every night. And when you go to actually start running, it won't be, it'll, your brain's going to think it's a memory. It's going to think well, you've been doing it all along. Well, this is so funny that you, you mentioned this because, you know, you constantly hear phrases that, that really aren't true, but you accept them as true. You say, you know, people are always saying life isn't a dress rehearsal. It actually is a dress rehearsal. Life is, is to practice <laughs> yes. things that you can rehearse. And a lot of them have to do with how you think and what you feel. This is a dress rehearsal. It is. It means, I know that they're saying it because you don't get a second life. This is what life is. It's practicing these things. It's being conscious of these things and making choices. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like in anything, you know, it's like, and I, I keep on going back to, you know, sports and, and golf in particular, because it's something that I've done for a long time. And there are many, many times where I haven't played or I don't practice and I go out and I expect to be really, really great. I expect to be able to do shots that I don't go to the driving range and I don't practice. And then I get on the course and I get pissed off and I come home and I'm angry <laughs> because <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not as good as I, as I, as I think I should be. And just recently I've been practicing so much watching videos, really studying the game. And I am a completely different player. So it is practice. Yeah, it sure. is practice. And you know what, Sue, if you're not doing this already and, and, and you're, you know, sports is your love, but most professional athletes use visualizing as part of their repertoire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, so literally lying in bed and playing a round of golf or f- taking those shots and your body cannot tell the difference when you're actually on the course or whatever it is that you're doing, your body now thinks it's a memory. Right. So that, that's huge. Visualizing is so huge. It comes into every single aspect of mental health. It really does. And it's been kicked out of us as adults because we're told, you know, th- what, think about what you're doing. Just get out, get your head out of the clouds. Stop. We, we knock that out of kids very, very early, but it's an important skill. And certainly in the work that you do, it's incredibly important, but it's really phenomenally important in mental health. And then breaking things down into micro things. So Ed, if you want to start running, start by imaginarily running first and then just say to yourself you know what i'm going to run i'm going to go out and i'm going to run for one minute one minute you'll go and you'll run for one minute and after one minute you're like i'm going home i did my one minute you're still going to feel good you're still like you got something but usually what happens is you've been running for your one minute and you're like well i've done one minute i can probably do two so you kind of trick your brain into just thinking that you're doing a little making a little micro decision and put these two things together and you'll be able to start a new practice. I think it's it's so important. We talk about Neville Goddard and we you introduced me to him and we talked about the power of imagination of thinking about what you want. Think not only thinking about what you want, but thinking feeling and feeling it yes. completely. And how that determines, you know, it can it can determine your mental health. It can determine your path in life. You think about what you want. You practice thinking and feeling what you want. You practice imagining. You have, there'll be something someday, it's called imagination practice. And it'll be just like going to any kind of practice. You're learning how to play basketball, you're going to basketball practice. You're learning how to live, you're going to imagination practice. This is, this is really a huge thing that's available to you at all times. 
at all times. Mm -hmm. So it's not something you have to go take a course in. I mean, you can practice however you want, but just imagining and feeling what you want. At any rate, procrastination, big, you know, my name is Krasnick, so I procrastinate, <laughs> which is the process of putting off being myself. That's what I always say. Okay, I think we're going to wrap up here. I mean, I know it's been, you know, unless there's anything that we haven't covered, I feel like we've gotten so many good tips and skills. Sue, is there anything, is there anything else that we should, we should say before we sign off? I have gotten so much from this today, oh, so good. I am, I am really good to go. Okay. Good. Awesome. Can I add one thing? Because I think it's really sure. important. Please. Um, right at the beginning, when we were talking about putting your hand on your forehead, there is an innate intelligence in all of our bodies. And most of the ancient cultures know this. And most cultures who are more uh, connected to themselves and the land and you know that sensitivity just know this. We've, we've lost this in our culture, but all of our bodies have this innate wisdom, right? So that skill of putting your hand on your forehead is there for a reason. It activates the frontal lobe. When people are thinking hard, that's why they often put their fingers right in between their eyes, the sinuses right there. You can, when people are concentrating, they put their fingers there. That's why, because it actually is bringing energy to the frontal lobe. Start to tune into your bodies. They are full of wisdom for you. We just ignore it all the time. This explains so much about my Aunt Rivka. Um, <laughs> right? It explains everything. It, it explains her posture. It, it explains why my relatives have the posture of a question mark. I understand all of it now, and, and, and it's really true. This is what, you know, it's, it's innate. It's just like, yes. it's as important as storytelling. It's as important mm -hmm. as connection with other people, conversation. This is a personal, you, your body is talking to you all the time. What is all it saying? Time. Your feelings are talking to you all the time. What is the message? Your thoughts are talking to you. What are you doing with them? It's a long bumper sticker, but it's a good one. <laughs> Uh, to have. And and I feel like this has been so great, Jennifer. Thank you good, so, so much for these things. Thank you, things. Sue. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Jennifer. Well, Sue, we'll talk. And, and thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, and one of these days, after I practice in my head, where you and I are going to run together. Absolutely. And, um, oh, I and love we'll do, it. We'll and Sue, so I'd love to hear how this goes for you. Like, practice the procrastination thing and then let us know. I will. I will. Thank you. I'll do it later tonight. <laughs> Listen, everybody, you can hear mental health comedy. You can hear us everywhere. We want you to subscribe. We want you to subscribe and thrive, but we also want to hear from you. Find us on Facebook. I'll have more specific information on the next show, but find us on Facebook. Let's start a conversation. Let's create a community and let's share this with each other because these are skills that can actually help you in your life, in your everyday life. And what's better than that? Nothing's better than that. We need it now, especially. Mm -hmm. so, so keep coming back at Works If You Work It. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.